Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Today we will begin in Genesis 11, verse 10. Um, and we're going to make a shift here. Uh, many scholars look at the book of Genesis as having two parts. One is the proto-history or the primeval history. It's kind of the history of the whole world. Um, and then that covers up through the end of chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, the focus shifts from the history of the whole world to a history of one man and one people. And so we're going to kind of uh, bridge that shift this week as we look um, at the line of Shem that, that brings its uh, culmination in the call of Abram or Abraham. And I will tell you now that in Abram, Abraham is a lot like Saul, Paul. Uh, somewhere in the midst of the account of Abram, God changes his name to Abraham. And sometime today, several times probably in the midst of this account of the call of Abram, I will change his name to Abraham and Abram back and forth as we go through. So please have grace on me as I do that. So Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 10. This is the account of Shem. Two years after the flood, when Shem was a hundred years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of Reu. And after he became the father of Reu, Peleg lived 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Reu had lived 32 years, he became the father of Serug. And after he became the father of Serug, Reu lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Serug had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor. And after he became the father of Nahor, Serug lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let us pray. Our gracious God, as we turn toward your word, as we look at this account of the call of Abram, be with us. Lord, be with us through your spirit. Help us to hear, help us to understand, and help us to see you. And help us to glorify you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, we have a shift here from kind of the primeval or proto-history of the world and of the nations. And we're shifting to the specific history of one man and one nation. But not only are we shifting, not only do we have this shift in the account of the histories, but it's almost as if Moses has given us a funnel, a funnel that is that is kind of weeding everything down to one specific point in time, one specific man in history. We began with the history of humanity and the creation of Adam and Eve and the placing of them in the garden. And we had kind of a funneling down from there as Adam and Eve sinned, as their descendants grew and filled the earth and sought to break God's law even further than Adam and Eve had done, it funneled down to Noah. And then when we got to Noah, it opened back up wide as we looked last week at this table of nations and the Tower of Babel. And here we run from 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 10, through the line of Shem. But remember, that line of Shem came from a larger line, which is the line of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And those lines came from an even larger line as you had the brothers and sisters of Noah. And so through the genealogies, through the history, the author of Genesis has been boiling us down, funneling us down to this laser point in time. And it is the call of Abraham. But we're also left with a question at the end of this history. What has happened to humanity from Genesis chapter 1 until now? Everything, every opportunity for the highlighting of the seed of the woman has come to utter failure. Seth's line was presented as the seed of the woman and they fail, which brings along the flood. Noah is then presented as the seed of the woman And they fail horrendously through after the flood. And so we're left with this question. In light of all the evil in the world, 
in light of the fact that the physical seed of the serpent has been destroyed and we are left only with the seed of the woman in the line of Noah. What is God going to do? How is God going to handle and bring about the redemption that he promised in Genesis chapter 3? And the funnel leads us to the answer of that question here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. And we'll see the answer to that question in the calling of Abraham and in God's blessing, Abraham's obedience. The first thing we're going to look at today is God's call. Now, this genealogy is here to tie us, to link Abram to the world before, to link Abram through Noah, and to bring us to this call of God where God calls Abraham to do uh, several things. Getting ahead of myself in my notes here. The first thing that God does is he calls Abraham. Now let's look at the nature of this call. The first thing that he does is he calls Abraham to leave. The Lord had said to Abram, leave. And what does he call God to leave? Now, leaving here is not just a word that merely means moving from one place to another, like Michelle and the boys and I, we left Orlando and came to um, Greenbrier County, West Virginia, came to Fairley, West Virginia. This is a term that doesn't just mean physically leave, but it means to associate with, to disassociate with completely. In other words, take all the ties that you had and let go of them. And what is he called to leave? The first thing he's called to leave is his country. Now, the language here, the Lord had said to Abraham, remember, at the end of chapter 11, Abraham is in Haran. His father and his family had gotten up and left Ur of the Chaldees and gotten as far as the city of Haran and resettled there. So the the language is written here in such a way that Abram was given this call back in Ur of the Chaldees, not when they were settled in Haran. And so God is calling Abram to leave his country. And he does that in a way, but he doesn't quite get all the way out of his country because Haran is very much like the place where he grew up. Haran worships the same gods that Ur of the Chaldees uh, worshipped. Haran has very much the same economic system that Ur of the Chaldees had. And so even though Abram had left physically Haran, he had left his country, he had not quite completely left everything behind. So the second thing that Abram is told to leave behind is his people. Leave your country. Leave your people. Now, what does it mean to leave your people? Um, We talked about this a little bit before when we looked at ethnicity and people groups. Uh, This is to get up and leave the people who are very much like you. Now, let's say that God had called me instead of calling me to Uh, fairly West Virginia, he had called me to inner city ministry in New York City. That would be me leaving my people group. You are my people group. We look the same. We talk the same. We act the same. We think about the same things. But if God plants me in the middle of an inner city African-American or Latino neighborhood, I have left my people group and have entered into another And so that is what God was calling Abraham to do. He said to leave your ethnicity, to leave your people group behind. And thirdly, God tells Abraham to leave his father's household. 
Why would you leave your father's household? Why would you leave your family behind? As I mentioned before, the people of Ur and the people of Haran worshipped the same gods. They worshipped these moon gods um, that had certain cohorts and certain children. In fact, Milcah is the name of one of the children of the main moon god that was worshipped in Ur and Haran. We have a tendency to worship what our family worships, do we not? We have a tendency to begin our life of faith wherever our parents are. So if your parents are not people who go to church, are you likely to go to church as a child? No. Are you likely to go to church as an adult? Maybe, but probably not. And so our family of origin has a huge influence on us and how we worship. And this God that we will soon learn is the God of the Israelites, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, speaks down to Abram, Abraham. I told you I'm going to flip back and forth all, all through the sermon until God actually changes his name to Abraham. Then I can stick with one. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob speaks down to Abram, Abraham in this pagan society. And he says, leave absolutely everything that influences you to worship the idols of this pagan society. Whether it's your geographic place where the centers of worship are, whether it's the people around you who look like you, who speak like you, and who worship like you, and even if it's your family. God says, leave those three things. Now, the thing is, sometimes you and I must dissociate from every, disassociate from everything that is important for us in order for us to follow God and fulfill the work he has done for us. Because all of those things that have influenced us may drag us away from full, heartfelt, active life for God. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 8, 18 through 22. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple came to him and said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus here is highlighting the full cost of following him. Now, more than likely, if this man's father had actually just died and they needed to have a funeral and bury him, he probably would not have been there with Jesus. So this was more than likely just an excuse that this man had. But what Jesus is telling him is you may need to break all ties with people you love in order to follow me. The cost of following Jesus is high. It's described by Jesus as taking up a cross. And we're told in verses 4 through 10 of today's passage that Abraham did just exactly what God had told him to do. Now we know that he did it kind of in fits and starts. He, he showed kind of a half faith by going to Haran with his family. But after his father died in Haran, he left out on his own. Now we know Lot went with him, but Lot was it's presented here as more of Lot kind of tagged along with them, probably because after Lot's father died, and, and Abram's father died, Abraham probably did a lot to take care of Lot, did a bunch to take care of Lot. And so God, or so Lot follows Abram from Haran to Canaan. Abram leaves his country because we're told that he arrives in a new country. Abram leaves his group because he will not settle in the land immediately because he's there by himself. There's other people in the group. 
And we see that he leaves his father's household because when he gets to the new land, he worships the God who will soon be called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So we know that Abraham did what God told him to do. What does God do for Abraham? Abraham gets a promise from God and he gets this promise. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What God promises for Abraham is summed up in the word bless or blessing. God promises to bless Abraham. Now, what does it mean to bless? The first time we come upon this word in Genesis is in the creation account. God creates the animals. He creates humanity and he blesses them, we're told, so that they can reproduce, so that they can bring out more life, so that they can fill the earth. Specifically, humanity is given the command to fill the earth and subdue it. And God blesses them so they can do that. So the first thing that we're told about blessing is it has to do with reproduction. And we see that repeated in Noah and we see it working out in Noah that the world is filled. We looked at last week. But that's not the only aspect of blessing. If we were to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 13 through 15, what would we see? We'd see God promising the Israelites that if they kept his law, they would get things like wealth. Their agriculture would be fruitful. Their animals would be fruitful. They would have a good reputation and the nations around them would look at the Israelites and say, how great is their God? How great is this people that worships worships this God? And so blessing is this idea of a successful, a prosperous, a safe life. And we'll see this in the rest of the account of Abraham's life. But it's not just success and prosperity and safety. It's a relational blessing as well. Because Abram is told that all nations will be blessed through you. And how will all nations be blessed through, Israel, through Abraham? Well, first off, there's a general aspect of blessing, what we call common grace. This was preserved by Noah in the flood. In other words, God created blessing. God wove blessing into creation. And you know what? The creation works. It's broken in the way that it works, but it works. Many times you plant seeds. What do you get back? We all know around here, you plant a zucchini seed, you get thousands of zucchinis back, do you not? You plant seeds, those types of blessings still work. It's called common grace. Why do the wicked prosper oftentimes? It's because the world is blessed. And that blessing extends to everyone in certain ways. But there's also a general blessing. Or excuse me, there's also a specific blessing that God has in mind here. And that's what he has in mind through Abraham. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God told them not to eat, they brought curses upon themselves, scarring the general blessing. But God promised redemption in that. And the particular blessing of that redemption is what is at stake in this question that we have asked. This question that we have asked in light of all the evil that is in the world, what is God going to do? God through Abraham, through blessing the nations of Abraham, God is going to preserve that specific blessing of redemption. And he does it through people affirming the God of Abraham and grasping on that God themselves. 
If we consider the definition of blessing that we've had, the power for success, the power for prosperity, the power for power for life and longevity. In relationship to God, we should think of a verse. This verse should echo in our heads that I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. I have come to give the prosperous life, the successful life. But the life that's prosperous and successful in light of a relationship with God. How are the nations blessed through Abraham? Through our Savior. Through Jesus Christ who came to live on this earth and to keep all the rules that even Abraham failed. We're going to see that God blessed Abraham, but Abraham messed up frequently in his life. Jesus came. He was the blessing. He was the preservation of that redemptive blessing. Christopher Wright, in his book, The Mission of the Old Testament, or The Mission of God in the Old Testament, excuse me, says that this, this section right here, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, is the pivot point of the whole Bible. What he says is we look at the world in its depravity, we look at the world and its evil, and we look at everything as just continuously going worse and worse as it goes along. But God told Abraham, I will bless the nations through you. Paul even said it in the New Testament reading today. He quoted from this and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And he said that was the gospel revealed to Abraham. Abraham died with just a handful of kids. How does a handful of descendants bless the entire world? It's because through that handful of descendants, God preserved his plan of redemption. God preserved the seed of Abraham that would bring blessing to the entire world. And that's why we're here today. We are gathered here at the call of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And Paul says, if you have faith in that, you are the seed of Abraham. And you are blessed through Abram even though he died thousands of years ago. We are blessed through Abram because of the work that God did through him and the work that God did through Jesus. Uh, Dr. Bruce Waltke, professor of Old Testament, says this, Abraham's story begins with God's call to venture from the city of man and family security to find the city of God. It's a call that every saint hears and that guides God's people in their pilgrimage to the celestial city. We each have a past. We each have a country. We each have a people group. We each have a family. And the call upon God's God's call upon our life is to leave those things. Paul actually describes this in an individual sense throughout his letters to the churches as putting off the old man and putting back on the new. We have sinful habits that each of us bring to the cross, that each of us bring to the throne of God. And Paul says, take off the old man and put on the new. Look at the law of God and see what, excuse me, see where we need to remove sin from our life through the power of the Spirit and put on Christ, put on the blessing. And God blesses those with the help to do that as we work into it, as we leave those things. God's call on our lives is a call to action. God told Abraham to leave and he did. 
God tells us to leave as well, to leave our old way of life, to take off the old man, to give everything to God so that he may be glorified. And we are to call and then we are called to cling to God's blessing and his blessed way of life by putting on the new man. And God gives us the strength to do that. He calls us to leave. He called Abraham to leave. Abraham left and he was blessed. God calls us to leave and he will bless those who follow him. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, our call, your call is upon our life. Help us to see that call. Help us to embrace the blessing that you have given to us through Abraham so that we might follow you and cling to your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.